Episode 13 of The Exit Strategy, Avi Mash from Pounding the Table joins us today. We discuss cryptocurrencies, Elon Musk's activity at Twitter, what's going on with all these tech layoffs. Now let's hear the count. One, two, three, four. You're listening to The Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarrian, a recovering SaaS vendor, joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiori and Swadek Mazumdar. And we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. It's a good thing that our medium is mostly audio. So we're right, exactly. Got a face for radio. <laughs> Avi Mash, welcome to the Exit Strategy. Avi Mash, host of Pound the Table. This is basically Battle of the Podcast. We have primary market versus the secondary market. Avi, introduce yourself. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, it's Pounding the Table. Uh, Pounding. Yeah. <laughs> all good uh thank you for having me on I, I uh i feel like i was i was encouraging to to do the podcast and uh you know i've been listening to a lot of the ones you guys have done it's it's really informative so uh, excited we, we should here. have like regular battle of the podcasts and then we bring in your co-host and we just we just mash it out that's why we it's- so i actually I created FinTwit Battles with the idea of like, I don't know if you guys are very on, on Twitter that much, but on Twitter, there's so many conversations around like a Microsoft, right? There's like bulls and bears, obviously back and forth. So the concept initially was like around a specific stock, like before earnings, like, you know, the direction it could go for or against. So we ran a few of those, but I, I do like that concept though. <laughs> the, um, I mean, but pound, pounding the table, you've had uh, Anthony Scaramucci, uh, the founder of Solona, Antoli Yakovenko, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, you had the founder, right, co-founder of Square, yeah. founder of Stock Twix, who's uh, one of your sponsors. Yeah. And you, you've, you've really, you know, for maybe we should, people from our podcast are going to graduate to your podcast, right? Because you were saying the go. opposite pre-recording. Yeah, well, I can give just a very quick, uh, you know, background of, of why I'm here, how it started. You know, I think along with everyone, you know, during COVID, everyone's sitting at their house and, you know, like many other people started day trading and started, you know, finding other people that friends that were day trading. Eventually you create like a chat room. And and one of my friends, Anthony, who's my other co-host, runs a small hedge fund. And so he was the guy that we ended up asking all these questions to. And then it got to the point where like my friends kept asking me questions as I was the expert, but I kept coming off as the, Hey, I'm the novice retail guy. I'm the one asking the questions here. Um, and to the point where I just actually, as a joke, sent him a microphone and then we started the podcast. And then the first episode we had like 1200 views and I was like, that's like not nothing, you know? And so uh, we just kept going with it. Cause honestly we were just bored at home during COVID and, and uh, it started as every episode we get like 500 more listens and it started to snowball. Uh, I think, you know, timing wise, there was not, there was a lot of conversation on FinTwit, but no one really had a podcast. Um, there was these other guys, pennies going in raw that were like more focused, I think on like penny stocks. Um, but in terms of like the general market, there wasn't like at least a digestible way to kind of understand what the news, you know, how that impacts the market. And so these were questions that I just authentically had always. And, and I'd come to to Anthony, sorry, I just t- turned off my, uh, my WhatsApp there. Um, so these were questions that I, you know, had constantly that I was going to Anthony with. And then I realized like all of FinTwit had a lot of these similar questions. So we started, you know, just doing some AMA and we'd have people send us questions. And then we started, you know, talking about specific stocks and deep dives. Lo and behold, you know, as you gain an audience, you know, 
those people that are out there, they they look at how many followers you may have, right? Or how many listens you may have, right? That you know, they don't want to just spend their time with anyone. And so it's funny because as you start to snowball and get more listeners, like you do start to get better guests on. And then you can use those guests then to, you know, of course, snowball to to larger guests, perhaps, right? Uh, but I think the the guests that we've had, you know, we try to always have a very authentic, you know, roundtable type of discussion versus kind of the CNBC. Like when I built this, I, I really was thinking of like Barstool Sports is great, but it's not like that. Like those guys I want to educate, you know, level up to me, you know, where it's like a more educated Barstool Sports where it's still digestible and fun to read um, and to listen to, but, but still very informative and, and bringing on different perspectives and, and things like that. So it's been really cool. I've gotten into, you know, places and, and meeting people that I'd never, you know, if I was just a normal quote guy, you know, like I, I probably wouldn't have a conversation with Anthony Scaramucci, but now, you know, now we, we have. So, um, yeah, that's the, the, the longest. The Mooch was your first guest, right? Or no. So the, the first guest, um, so I, the first guest was actually Howard Lindzen, uh, who, who founded stock twits and, you know, candidly, and I told him this too, like, I didn't know who he was to be honest. Like when I, when I first saw that he was following me, I just went to see who our top followers were, you know, the, the people that were following us, you know, who had the most following, was there any like celebrities perhaps that were following us that we could yeah. just kind of get low hanging fruit and mm-hmm. Hey, you listen to us, like, come on as a guest. Uh, so I had reached out to him and, you know, he gave me like a one word answer, like I'm down, you know, and uh, lo and behold, I was like talking to Tony. I was like, I don't know if he'll actually like show up, but he showed up right on time. He's like, just press record and let's go. Uh, and you know, about a day or two later, he reaches out an email. He's like, Hey, I want to introduce you to the CEO of stock twits. Um, so then we connected and they actually became like our, our, our core sponsor of the podcast right now. And that was, you know, the irony of us kind of building on FinTwit when stock twits is our sponsor, because stock twits was kind of the original FinTwit, a place where people can go and have conversations around specific stocks, um, you know, and have that kind of friendly banter, a lot of retailers, you know. Uh, have those conversations. So it's interesting so for sure. You guys are focusing mostly on the stock market or crypto market. I know you don't really talk about the bond market. That's that's uh, kind of retro <laughs> these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we're we the, the the Twitter generation versus, you know, books. So we do, we do talk most like the stock market was kind of the core that we started as crypto, you know, more and more people were talking about that. Obviously there's, you know, cross-pollination of, of those who invest in the stock market, they also probably have something in crypto, right? Uh, and especially the younger generation, it got very interesting. So mm. we, we do talk about kind of things that are happening. So like when NFTs were hot, we're like trying to understand oh, that. Okay. And now that I work kind of, you know, from a professional level uh, within crypto space, you start to see things a little bit different um, of just like what an NFT is. It's not just a picture of a cat. This, these could be retail smart contracts uh, for for houses, right? So it really is going to start to get interesting. So we started talking about NFTs. We started talking about uh, crypto inherently. And, and uh, you know, it, we want to bring people on kind of from all walks of life. So if, you know, if there's a real estate expert, I think the idea is like us as investors, we're starting to see yeah. different asset classes to look into right and and even like private businesses like with things such as like republic it allows the retail investor to start to look and explore uh beyond their typical lane you know so what's what's happening now with this crypto market because like you know ralph has been forwarding me these emails about block five prepares for potential bankruptcy because you know the crypto contagion spreads and then you have 
the FTX thing, which is uh, there's like a day to day play by play. You know, we could go through the day by day, right? I mean, what's what's happening? I mean, I'm I'm I don't I don't really have a crypto account. Ra- Ralph doesn't have a crypto account. Swata, you have a crypto account? Uh, yeah, I do have some wallets. Yes, I do. You do have some wallets. I get my crypto Avi from you know using Brave the browser and then like answering like questions on like some. Uh, quiz apps that give you like one Bitcoin or something. Fun bucks, <laughs> not even Bitcoin, like Dogecoin. <laughs> so, so it's it, it's funny, right? And like I came from, you know, we worked together back when crypto was like going crazy, and like I'd come yeah. back. I first bought my first like Bitcoin back in 2017, and I had just gone to visit my buddies in in Portugal. They were talking about this, and I was laughing at them. I was like, "What the hell is this? Like Pokemon? You know, this is this seems like fun money, like fake money." And then I started like digging into it a little bit more and, and you start to realize, you know, that, that these are just really at the end of the day going to be uh, different technologies. Right. So yeah. uh, I, I think a lot of these like, you know, Dogecoin, Dogecoin, maybe the one meme coin that, that kind of has some staying power just because like Elon's behind it. Mark Cuban, yeah. like steps it, you know, at Dallas Mavericks games. But like what I see just happening and it's no secret. Right. Like you can Google crypto news regulations like a lot of things are starting to come, but, um, and I actually just need to, I need to read through this thread. My, uh, my boss had sent me about, um, the new, new FASB bill that kind of like puts Bitcoin essentially. I gotta, I, I don't want to talk too much about it cause I don't know enough about it yet, but, um, I definitely want to dig into that bill as well, because what I really see happening, it's, you know, I, I hear the haters out there and anytime Bitcoin, you know, starts to crash, it's like Bitcoin's dead. We've seen that time and time again, but what we haven't seen is like, this much attention from the regulators, this much, you know, attention from institutions where they're just, you know, institutions are kind of waiting for the regulations to, to, to iron out. But if you think about like, you know, countries as a business, ultimately, right. They want their tax dollars and and this is another asset class where they can start to, I don't think they're going to kill crypto altogether. I I just, I I think that you look at it like this, Ralph is a a chief compliance officer, right? And when you look at, FTX and BlockFi and all these things that are happening, it's really impacting the retail investors. And a lot of these FINRA SEC regulations, you know, Ralph, you could definitely key in here because uh, since Ralph founded Investment Bank and runs one, we have to be extra compliant with him. <laughs> Ra- Ralph, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I mean, like, uh, you know, FTX is an well, advanced I, cryptocurrency. I, I have always... I have always thought what government is going to give up control um, over their currency. Uh, I I couldn't see it. And, um, you know, the Treasury, one of the articles I sent out um, to our firm is uh, the fact that there is testing now going on by the Federal Reserve with the major banks. And they're going to have a um, uh, a, a test of um, trying to t- transact business and seeing what happens mm-hmm. <clears throat> with a U.S. government-sponsored um, uh, cryptocurrency. So that's number one. Who would give up control of their currency? And number two was what government was going to allow a system to uh, get away with money laundering, you know, and all the legal implications uh, involved in that. 
So I always had those questions in my mind, uh, how this was going to work out. Because look at, look at, I mean, uh, look at this um, timeline, right? You I mean, you have, you have things down to the point where there's like commingling of retail client funds, basically where people where money was being used even though it was deposited in their segregated accounts and i mean it goes down day by day november 6th uh binance said it was gonna this is for ftx so binance on november 6th says they're gonna offload hundreds of millions of ftts um you know after a mass withdrawal that happened with ftx november 7th six billion withdrawals happen uh ftx finance went to crisis binance offered an loi November 9th, Binance backs off their LOI since it was a non-binding LOI. November 10th, it was disclosed that FTX gave money to Alameda, uh, Alameda which um, it basically was using the retail accounts to fund their investments. And Alameda right. was the company that the founder of FTX founded two years prior. And you know there was already confusion as to how they're going to have the Chinese wall up between the two companies, which they didn't. And then November 11th, the founder, uh, Bankman, um, he he resigns, you know, and they file for bankruptcy. And then it, mm -hmm. now it's impacting BlockFi. So it's a, it's a compliance nightmare because mm -hmm. they didn't follow any of the basic FINRA SEC regulations. There's a tremendous amount of people now that have money stuck with BlockFi and with uh, FTX. Mm hmm you know, and both companies have stopped withdrawals. So, oh. it, Avi, did you hear what Kevin O'Leary, you know, Mr. Wonderful, uh, said about this? He lost a lot of money in um, FTX. Uh, I didn't see what he said, no. He basically said this, is, this game's over until uh, the government steps in and puts in regulations. Mm -hmm. Well, and they uh, because are. You know, I, I think I think they are. Um, and I think, you know, the central business, actually, central business, digital currency, the, the CBDCs, the, those are all over. Right. Like if you just Google any country, they're all working on on, on this. So it's like the, the question is, you know, how do the citizens adapt? And, and I've seen pilot programs already, like they're, the one you mentioned today with like MasterCard, New York. So they, they started this years ago um kind of during covid where in west africa actually they would they would give their some citizens digital currency to test out and the idea ultimately i think is, is a little big brotherist by nature but they can then monitor every single transaction and i think that's how they'll maybe start to get some of these communities to get in in these and i know different states are, are doing this as well um whether it's different like programs for for social um you know different areas but it, it, it's it's very interesting to see how that all plays out too because people are already kind of doing it like i have conversations you know you're using your credit card you're paying with apple pay like people are used to paying with digital but the idea of like could this be tied to like social credit scores down the road like there's a there's like some crazy things you could you know see where it could become evil but it is very interesting to see that every single government is, is really starting to build these out um and, and you know, they'll they'll have for full monitoring capabilities where it's now kind of with that government versus, you know, the visas, MasterCards of the world. But you see that's the way that the world's going, where they're they're partnering up, you know, with, with the government. Avi, what, what do you, you mean in your podcast, you say you give something a pound. What do you give this? 
How do, what's the anti-pound? <laughs> the anti-pound. So I, I, I think this is a not only a hiccup. I think this. I think you guys are are right that this is is massive, right? And I don't think we've even seen it, right? Like you look at uh, Micron, like they, they have so much Bitcoin on their balance sheet right now, and like if that goes under, that's it, they might go under, right? So it's it, it, like there's there's still a lot of trickle down we haven't seen and if you start you know twitter is filled with a bunch of bs but there's some like really smart stuff that you know you can read down the threads and start to really see all of the the bs and warning signs that we should have seen with ftx and like you're going to see this with any any company i think that has these these coins that they created that has no collateral to actually back it right um, and so you'll see yeah. stable coins like USDC where they have dollars, you know, or so they say that they have dollars to back uh, every piece of the USDC. Uh, Swati, sorry, I saw you had your hand up a few times, man. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just wanted to comment on the FTX uh, issue that you were talking about, or we were discussing. You know, I think anytime you have a central exchange, you have issues. Uh, the regulators have to come down on this because every time you let it go off the regulation radar, you will have uh, these companies going overseas where anything can happen, right? So they're all Bahamas or Cayman or Hong Kong, and that's where the issue is. There's absolutely no regulation, no recourse. Um, and that's what actually Kevin uh, Leary said about uh, going to Canada there. It's regulated by the Canadian uh, Finance Authority, whoever they are, right? Um, we have no issues like that with Coinbase, for example, right? They are an exchange as well, mm -hmm. right? But we had with FTX, which were not only co-mingling, but they were sending money over to Imelda, which is their, their hedge fund, and anything happened from that, they were, I mean, there was an article yesterday, which I read, uh, the amount of investments that were made out of that and to the companies, all all of them, I think, is, uh, all of them are going to be affected sooner or later. And I think at some point, and I had a discussion with somebody who's very well known in the, uh, in the crypto world, uh, disagrees with me. And I think it, it even touches Binance. And he said, no, Binance is too big to fall. We've seen companies too big to fall falter, mm -hmm. right? So I think they all get affected somehow. This is a watershed moment, really, uh, in the crypto world. And the regulators, this will give the regulators the uh, impetus to come in and set regulations, because I think a lot of real wealth has been destroyed. Yeah. I mean, it is horrible. You know, people have lost, you know, millions in, in their life savings, you know, in this situation. And, and it's like the, you know, it's almost like the arrogance. I don't know if you've seen what like Sam Bankman freed on Twitter, like people don't like his response. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, haha, like I forgot, or we messed up here. You know, it's like, he doesn't like, he doesn't, you know, and, and, and anytime, like I always say this with stocks, anytime you see something go straight up and, and I almost feel like if you looked at FTX, I know they weren't public, but like, the the amount of attention they got out of nowhere right and like there you, you can really unwind this too like he gave he was the second biggest donor to like the democratic party and was that like all fake money you know and like there there's like a lot of ties to you know you create it, it, it's 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 really crazy if you start like digging into the whole thing of it he, um, he donated I, dollars or crypto it, uh, do dollars actually oh, okay. it would yeah. funnier if he gave like doge you, you like mentioned that. also anthony scaramucci you know he bought yeah. uh 30 percent yeah, yeah. of skybridge right 
Um, so he lost a lot. Well, he says he doesn't. He didn't lose money because he invested rather. But the way he invests is through his coins. Those coins are monopoly money. They're worth nothing. Right. Right. Just paper. That's the same thing he did with Binance as well. Yeah. And so that that was the whole back and forth battle with like CZ from Binance. He, he once they realized that these are all fluff, he he sent out a tweet effectively that had like a bank run, and so everyone was just selling off which then triggered all these margin calls. And then it was just like a house of cards kind of un unfolded, you know, before our eyes. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know because, you know, what happened was uh, what I, what I hear is, and I don't know if that's really the uh, genesis of this, but what I hear is all these guys, CG, uh, you know, Dubai, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia has something called the Dovas uh, in the desert. Davos, I'm sorry, Davos. Davos, Davos yeah. in the desert, where they talk about all this cryptocurrency and you know everything else, and uh, apparently, uh, uh, Sam uh, uh, badmouthed CZ for some reason, and that started this whole chain reaction. I don't know if really it is, uh, it's just a narrative or it's you know really some kind of a background. Yeah, well, these Sam, guys come with big egos anyway. So yeah, well, what happened? I saw one tweet from like Sam, and and he there he's like, I'm excited to be in DC talking through regulation, and he like added, you know, he 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 did the at symbol at CZ from Binance. And he's like, is he even allowed in this country? Exactly. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. so it's like, you know, these guys get like, you know, you see it with Elon Musk too. Like I, I said this on my podcast, like months and months ago, I was like, he's flying a little too close to the sun. Like he's poking the bear and like, it's only a matter of time, you know, like we'll see how this Twitter thing unfolds. And like, it'll be really interesting. Cause I, 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 my just gut feel, and this is probably too basic of thinking is with like Tesla, for example, like, he, you know, people buy into Tesla for him. They're part of that cult. Like they love Elon Musk. Obviously, there's more to Tesla besides yeah. him, but more or less, like it gets a higher valuation, in my opinion, because it's Elon Musk. And like if he's devoting all of his time to like changing the world in his mind with Twitter, you know, it's going to, you know, and the engineers have moved. Some of the engineers have moved over. Like, who knows? Yeah, no, Avi, I, I totally agree with you. I, I said on another podcast that it's unfortunate that he did get involved with Twitter. Because this is a brilliant guy who understands technology and look what he's done. And for him to be bogged down in Twitter is going to keep him from um, exploiting other technologies and building other companies. Yeah. I mean, he's Unless CEO of three companies. I, I just feel, I just, Ralph, you're right. I just feel these guys, you know, they, they are, their egos have become so big. Mm -hmm. that at times they feel that they can do anything, you know, even though, you know, he's compressed for time. He says he works 24 hours a day, right? You, you just can't do that, you know, with five companies, six companies that you're running. And he's constantly on Twitter. He wants to be relevant on even subjects that don't even matter mm -hmm. in the world. You know, he wants to be relevant. Random people all the time. Yeah. If you go to like his replies, you're yeah, like, it's ridiculous. No followers. He's just like reaching yeah. out. He just I mean, wants to be relevant. I just, I don't know he's what. He's even, he's even sent out that email today, which requires all his staff at Twitter to stay on for longer hours. I mean, I, I don't, well, I don't know what I would do if I got a job at Twitter. Like, what, what does a, what does an employee do there every day? I mean, tweets are only how many characters? Two hundred and forty. Hundred and forty. Hundred and forty or two hundred and forty. What I think is they're two forty now? 240. Oh, they went to two forty. Okay, yeah, they doubled. And that was their, that was 
I will say though, as someone that's like addicted to Twitter and constantly on it, 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 what he's doing and like the changes he's made in the short amount of time has been pretty remarkable. And like, I, I, I do like the, the honesty. He's like, we're about to break shit at Twitter and like, just stay patient because we're going to, you know, it's going to be a better platform down the road. I think his approach obviously was, was pretty brash and he became, he was like this hero and then he became like this anti-hero and, you know, it, it became once he tweeted out that he was voting Republican, it was like amazing that the media just started like attacking him like crazy. Yeah. And then he became this anti-hero. And now it's like, you know, companies are just like as if he's like Trump, like they're disassociating themselves with them. And companies have like pulled off of Twitter, but he's charging eight dollars now. And, and let's find out what that first numbers are. Like maybe he gets a couple million people now. 8 million times a couple million people is a ton of new revenue that wasn't there. I don't know. It, Avi, it, do, it's, it's, Avi, do you have a blue check mark? So I do. I did it to one because I thought I was canceled. And so I wanted to see if that would uncancel me. And then, which it didn't. Um, but two, uh, I do get just because of the podcast, like there's so many trolls out there. And like, you know, it, it is funny for a while, but then like you get people like reaching out to people like, and, and it's unfortunate people still bite on this, like, send me your Bitcoin and I'll send you more back. And like some people bite for it. And I've had just too many times where it's just like annoying where I have to like unblock or block people and then whatnot. So uh, I, I think I can afford the eight dollars a month to pretend I'm cool. I, I mean, Avi, pound the table. You guys are always mentioning the stock market, things that are happening on it. And, and what we're seeing is that everything in the tech sector seems to be impacted in some way. Like the other day we did a post which we got from uh, a venture capital firm called Bloom, where they had you know B two B SaaS multiples at like thirty x in the height of like the COVID pandemic, and now you're seeing a massive pull off. And that chart showed that today you're seeing between five and nine times uh, SaaS contracts, you know, in terms of valuation. But techs, the tech companies, the big guys, are everyone's laying off. I mean, they're not laying off every division. Um, you know, Amazon reported uh, 10,000 jobs, Meta with 11,000, Twitter with uh, Elon, which we just discussed, uh, 3,700 jobs, Stripe, Salesforce, Microsoft, Zillow, Snap, Robinhood, the list goes on. Well, mm -hmm. Where do you see where, this? Where, I mean, like you, Amazon layoffs, just because Amazon's such a big. I mean, not that yeah. you know. It was not. it was uh, like uh, HR, retail, so like that. I think the Amazon Basic Store, and yeah. um. I forget the third one, but it wasn't like Alexa. You know, a lot of lot of layoffs at Alexa as well. Yeah, yeah. nothing like that AWS division. type stuff. Uh, you know, the the because they staff. have seven hundred fifty thousand employees. I think that's like one percent, maybe or, or less. Yeah. Um, but I here's I mean, and you guys obviously know way more about this, but this is just like my gut reaction of like, and maybe there was some tax credits like when Trump was in office that you know, help the economy uh, grow and companies were starting to hire and probably were just a little too fat as companies as as is. So I think some of this is natural, like that they probably were just hiring, you know, going on hiring sprees, the economy's flourishing, like they could afford to have these people that are kind of, you know, B players, perhaps C players, right? And I think what's happening is, is as the economy has come down, naturally, they should have probably come down a little bit. But I think it's just being accelerated here and we're we're hearing about this and it, it's going to be scary, I think, for a lot of, you know, I'm not worried Amazon's going under, you know, Google's not going under. But like some of the like early stage startups, you know, we've been part of some of them. I mean, like who knows if, if these uh, companies that raised 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that just aren't, aren't turning a profit. Like how long are they going to stay afloat? Because people, funding is not going to be there as well for, for them to. So you, you, you're going to lay off employees because you're not generating the revenue. And then a lot of these companies that have losses, they're going to start laying off because they have to cut the costs. I mean, here in, you know, we're, I'm based out of Paris. So what I'm seeing a lot of is venture capital firms in the States seeking investments here. And that's mostly because these multiples are much more tame. And you could see what happened on that uh, on that graph where you know multiples came down to one sixth of the level that they were a year ago. Uh, yeah. you know, and it, it's just obvious to say that like the bets that were made probably didn't work. So yeah. right now, like you know, you're you're basically paying the price for that and people are, you know, they have to find new jobs and everything like that. But even in the stock market, I mean, you guys cover this a lot. I mean, what's what's been the latest discussion on that? You know, with the tech stock, with the with the tech sector in the stock yeah. market. I mean, every everything for the past like year and a half has been like you know, Fed macros kind of have been dominating the news. Obviously, with Russia and uh, Ukraine, and and you know, then there was that scare with China and Taiwan. You know, it's it and and. We always get in this discussion. Like I, I always think that the you know the world is happening, and then like politics, you know, do affect you know the the Fed ultimately with decisions that they make and the reactions that happen down the road from that. It's a trickle down in terms of like, in my opinion, how um, you know how the Fed reacts to that can can then impact some of these macros. So it's been really we've been really focused kind of on on that. Uh, I know the PPI data had come out that like got some excitement going, but like I've been, yeah. I've been bearish since like last November, just as a whole, just, you know, seeing how much money we printed, seeing like yeah. the laziness just in the streets. So, like my friend, like no one really wants to work anymore. And like, then we get into like these crazy discussions around like what happens, you know, do, do we have to uh, do UBI at some point, you know, and, and, and you kind of like, as, as someone that's an investor, you always try to think ahead. You don't want to think like too far ahead and, you know, create the perfect path of what the company is going to do because you're not the CEO and you can't control what that company could do. Right. Yeah. So you can always have ideations around like, uh, the optionality of where a company could go. Uh, you know, but it's the companies that I, I agree to what you're saying is like, I'm right now I'm looking for companies that are making cash and, and, and producing revenue. Right. Oh, don't get um, me wrong. I speak with a lot of the major VCs and they're all looking for cash flow. They're all going back to basics. There's none of this like multiple effect and throwing money at anything. And then like uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very different approach from two years ago. It's mm -hmm. just a sign of time. So Ralph, uh, I mean, Marcus, you know, uh, when things are frothy, they were giving higher multiples. Right now, it's all profitability. When can you reach? What's your right. road to profitability? And what Avi said, how long are they going to survive these early stage companies or some startups? Um, it depends on how they balance that out. Uh, the sooner they get profitability, the chances are they'll still get funded. And the folks that won't will just, you know, because I, I know, I know, I I speak with a lot of VCs here in Europe, and a lot of them hold positions for seven, eight, nine years. It's just completely boggling because they have to pay that money back to the LPs, and then you get stuck with these positions. And then when the market does a turnaround, everything just goes against you. And it's you know, it's in in the stock market, it, you could just the liquidity is extremely high. So 
right now in the VC market, you're seeing just complete illiquidity. I was going to ask you guys, because I, I had, I had a, a friend, and this may just be a one-off case, but he, you know, he, he does a lot of the legal work for, you know, M&A and, and, and companies um, getting funding and things like that. And, and he said, you know, he, he wouldn't give me the name, obviously, of the companies, but he was saying for the right companies, they're still getting some higher than he would think multiples um, for the right company that has shown real growth, that has shown real revenue. Yeah. Have you guys seen, I guess, like a shift in the mentality of like, okay, we're not going to do the old VC of like throwing dollar stuff up there and I just need one winner to, to hit the Facebook or Grand Slam, right? Um, are you seeing a lot more strategic money where there is still, you know, obviously you mentioned that there is more strategic money out there, but are you guys also seeing that where like the right companies are still getting invested at maybe higher than the six, maybe to the 10, 15 range? Well, Yes and no, but when you're doing mergers and acquisitions, it's really about the CEO or the founder making the decision to go forward with whatever they agree upon. Because both sides of the spectrum, the buyer or the seller or just having a merger, they if the two parties don't agree on what is what, no. And there's a mm -hmm. big difference between selling a company, what you get at the closing, and then what you get in the long term. Like if you're doing something between like if Google bought Facebook, for example, that's going to be a stock swap. There's nothing crazy. They're bulge right. bracket. But if you're talking about a company that's gotten to series B or C, you know, you'll have um, an enterprise value that they'll agree upon. And then you'll have, you know, an initial payout. But then they'll say, well, but because of the merger, we believe the company is worth three times more under the possession of this organization. So company A buys company B. Company B says I'm worth uh, 10x. Company A, who's buying, says I'll accept paying you upfront three times revenue. The other seven, because of the synergies of our company, will pay you out based on the growth potential that you have by cross-selling your product within the company. That's a big thing because what's annoying in our space is that people will read headlines. They'll say, oh, but so-and-so, my competitor, got this. I want the same thing. But when you go and read the Edgars or the SEC filings, yeah. the story is completely different. And you have to, and it and you waste so much time explaining to people, no, if you look at this, you know, it's kind of like right. when we, we like you you, you get you get you get $10 million, but there's a 50% discount rate. So they got five million dollars, and it's clear as day if you read the boring print. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's interesting because like. I always joke that I, with myself that like I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of people are just being headline readers, right? And you want the big 500 million, you know, Series B, yeah. Series D, whatever, you know. And then you lift up the hood and you can start to see, you know. Yeah. What's and the problem with being in the investment banking space, it's that you, you, you're you judged by your performance. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, to, uh, to answer that specifically as well is, uh, yes, the companies that are showing road to profitability are being funded. There's no mm -hmm. two ways about it. They're going to be winners, right? And the guys, uh, you know, the guys who won't make it will not be funded. VCs, again, they have to recalibrate the funding structure uh, mm -hmm. a bit uh, based on, you know, uh, the market in general and the sentiment in general. But it's, you know, funding hasn't stopped. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, funding is still happening. Um, I have a question with, with some of the macro stuff, like how much, you know, cause a lot of it could be noise. You know, there's a lot of like media that runs with things for a particular reason, you know, maybe. So like, 
you know, especially with the with what I think it was yesterday or the day before, right? Like uh, Ukraine had sent a missile or something. You know, something happened within Poland where it started ringing the alarms. And like, how much do you guys read into this? Like, as you know, I, I know you guys are more in like private equity, so maybe more so from your your personal investing or you know, in past experience when you talk to other investors that are are investing in stocks, like you know, do you rush to go buy defense stocks right away? Like how do you know, how do you break through that noise of like, Hey, what really is basically what my podcast is about is how to break through the noise. So I'm curious, like, how do you guys kind of take and digest of what really matters? What's real, what's kind of, you know, just out there to, to scare people. I think all of us could answer the question, but my, we, I'll tell we, you my, we all can answer it in different ways, different right? ways. Right. My approach is don't don't change your business strategy. Don't sit, don't like I'm not going to invest in the defense space just because there's some attacks that are happening. That's, I think that's a terrible move because you don't really know the sector. The other thing is that a lot of times it's like think of like something like inflation. Like if you don't drive a car, you don't really care much about gas prices because you ride the subway all the time being in New York uh, or Paris. Then if you're if you're selling like POS point of sale systems in France, you don't care much about how the POS market is in New York because that's not your market. It's a very local business. It really depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're an airline and you're flying, your flights are going to Ukraine. Yeah, that's a problem that you're going to have. But people really have to carve out what their market is, what their focus is. And too many people get distracted by these international events that have no impact on them. Right? Like. Yeah. You chase it too. I've seen people like chase the news, right? It's like that old proverb of, of you know, buy the rumor, sell the news, because by the time the news is out, you guys and people, you know, even the bigger guys are are, are out there and they've already, you know, done it from a trading perspective, right? So it depends. There are, there, Avi, there are no bigger guys. Than us. <laughs> <laughs> Avi, I want you to take all this advice and bring it back when you're pounding the table. And we uh, we thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. You know, time is short yeah. and sweet, right? This I is the first it. time we're doing this. I want to have a part two where we have a battle of podcasts and we challenge each other with questions. I like that. <laughs> well, we've had Ralph on ours. We gotta get Spadik uh, in there. <laughs> You're gonna tell us about your, How old were your... you when you had your first ice cream cone? Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll call it the old, old young bull. Bobby's going to quiz us on his FASB thing, that his homework that his boss gave him. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm genuinely, I mean, it's funny because, like, you know, for the first time, I'm working in something that I, I truly, like, I've been in marketing software, obviously, for years. And, like, I've always been interested in the financial sector because I'm so interested in the world and the world kind of affects the, the, the financial sector. And so, like, especially in the crypto space, you know, he's constantly, I, I genuinely am interested in it. So it doesn't feel like work, right? It's like, this is stuff I'm, I'm reading anyways when I was in the marketing world. And now that I'm in this, it's like, I'm reading what I'm interested in. So, it's, it's, so, so it's, Avi, I'm heading, so you you brought up Poland. I'm heading to India in a little bit, um, in the okay. Polish airline, flying over dangerous zone. So let's see. I'll give you maybe uh, you know first-hand report of how things are. Yeah, well, Swadek's going to be coming out with Top Gun three. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. That's that's all the time we got today. <laughs> Thanks so much. We got to get you a call sign, Swadek. That's it. Then we're good. You got it. That was episode thirteen of the Exit Strategy. We hope you enjoyed it. Like, share, and subscribe. We're looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.